right, welcome to episode two of the In Your Mind podcast with Brendan O'Connor and Jalal Javed. This is the second time we're recording this podcast because I don't know how to use Audacity, apparently. I clicked the wrong microphone, uh, we recorded it earlier today, and my dumbass decided, hey, let's not check which microphone we're using, so I sounded, we both sounded like robots the entire time. It is what it is. It is what it is. Jalal was not happy. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, we got done with the recording, and he was just... He was kind of bouncing all over the walls a little bit. Let's yeah, just say that. But, you know, everything is a learning experience, you know? Wasn't yeah. a failure if you learn from it. Exactly. So. We learned to make sure we're using the proper microphone every yeah. single time. <laughs> but, yeah, we thought it was broken, and I didn't realize until we went to record the second version of this one that... <laughs> It was completely my fault, and uh, yeah, so now we're here. Now we're here, and also, shout out to Ryan for coming in clutch, by the way. Thank you, man. Big appreciation for Ryan. Go check him out at your local Best Buy. Yeah. (laughs) Our local Best Buy, but you know. Yeah. So, yeah, this week, Jalal and I, we went to Lexington with another friend of ours, decided... We wanted to get out of the suburbs for a little bit and go take a, some time to rest, recharge, you know, get our minds a little bit better as we go into this fall semester. So we're going to yeah. talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So if you guys don't know, Lexington is actually by, you know, Lake Huron. Yeah. So it's it's, it's literally right on the lake. And yeah. if you want to describe it on the hand real quick. Yeah. East side of Lake Michigan, if you put your thumb up uh, for everybody in the state of michigan knows how to do the the hand thing it's right about at your thumb knuckle your first digit so that's where we were at over the weekend but yeah it was a great time really enjoyed it got to relax for a little bit took some nice pictures oh yeah uh yeah so i think the reason we decided that we had to go and just get out is because you know school and covid and everything's pretty stressful so getting out into a nature setting even though it was a park but any time i'm on the water lake michigan or any of the great lakes or even just an inland lake it's just a fantastic time and it's one of my favorite things to do yeah so i know for me at least you know i wanted to get rid of my day-to-day and whatnot and try to do something different and go somewhere different you know because usually I don't get the opportunity to travel a lot, um, and when I do, it's perfect. Yeah. So it's it's a good change of scenery, and the whole environment was different too. You know, because living in the suburbs, you, you have that day to day work, and you know, do this, do that. Um, but when you go out to a lake or you know out to nature, it's a totally different vibe. Yeah. And you can actually feel it in yourself and. Oh yeah. With the people around you and whatnot. So. Yeah, it's got a different energy when you're sort of near that big of a body of water it just feels different like the breeze that you can feel coming in is so much the air is better like it's cooler air it just feels better than being in a city yeah you you feel more connected to the universe in a way yeah more connected to nature the world even yourself it's just a fantastic thing to do and if you get the chance to go there it's called tyranny park patrick tyranny park it's named after a guy who was a uh, very popular sailor in Lexington back in I want to say the late 1800s early 1900s but yeah it's a fantastic time would recommend yeah 
it was awesome, and I'm glad I went to go because it was great. Um, good little bonding experience, you know? Yeah. And so some of the stuff we actually did there was pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. we uh, There's a pier there because the park is right next to Lexington Harbor, so there's this uh, pier with a rock wall. We decided we were going to jump off of the rocks into pretty cold water. Yeah. And uh, I may or may not have not seen some rocks that were there and could have died a little yeah. bit. So what happened was, you know, as unorthodox as we are, we were like, you know, we're not just going to walk in like regular people to the water on the beach. You're like, no, we have to do something different. Of um, course. So we were like, you know what, Brendan? Brendan had a great idea of jumping off the pier using the rocks and t- straight into the water, you know? It yeah. was pretty cold, a lot colder than we expected, but, you know... A lot colder than you expected. I kind of... It's middle of September in Michigan, so... Yeah. It was going to be cold, and I kind of knew that going in. I just didn't expect it to be as cold as it was. But it was still an enjoyable experience when out in. It was awesome because uh, Brennan went first, that one jump we had, and I didn't. Yeah, and thank we... God you didn't, because if you had, uh, we probably wouldn't be here talking today. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, things happen for a reason and, uh, now we're more self-aware. Yeah. Gotta be a little bit more careful when you're doing sort of risky stuff like that. But yeah, the water there was not clear at all just cause it was colder. So it kind of brought in that murkier water that we had going on. But when I went to do the jump, I jumped between a very large rock that was basically a spike I was about a foot past that rock, and then in front of me, there was another flat rock about two feet away that I would have broken my ankle on if I had jumped right into it. So very, very fortunate that I did not get hurt, and I am very thankful for that. Yeah, very fortunate that we are not scarred for life. Yeah, that uh, could have been a traumatic experience. That could have ended least. a lot of things right there. Um but clearly did not. So yeah, thank you, Brennan, for jumping in first and taking initiative. Sure, anytime. I appreciate your efforts. And uh, pro tip: if you do something risky and dangerous, do your research ahead of time. Yeah, if you jump into uh, murky water, make sure you're not jumping onto a spiked rock, or you will hurt yourself. Yes, potentially die. But you know, eh, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so what, what's cool is the fact that after we did all these jumps and whatnot, and, you know, it kind of resets your way of thinking and, like, how your body reacts and it makes yeah. you feel more alive in a sense. So what me and Brendan decided to do was, you know what, why don't we actually meditate? Yeah. Um, We're, we're in a perfect scenario, perfect environment. Mm-hmm. We're, like, because at a beach or in nature, it's it's more... It's a, not it's a more, tranquil setting. Like, yeah. you've got the waves going. It's really... You know, you've got that constant back and forth noise. Uh, even though there were people there, it's a lot easier to block it out when you've got like birds, specifically seagulls, but birds and, uh, you know, the water going by. So it was a really relaxing time. I was there earlier this summer, about a month before we went, and I did pretty much all of the same stuff with the exception of falling asleep on the beach and getting a horrible sunburn yeah but uh yeah the meditation was fantastic just kind of sitting there letting your thoughts be instead of you know judging them and kind of forcing your thinking it's a i think everybody should meditate yeah honestly 
And the great thing about meditation is it's it's something that just like death itself, you can't really describe unless you experience it. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where I could tell you stuff about meditation and how it was to me, but it might be different to you, but I actually can't physically describe it because it's just one of those things in the universe that... Yeah, it's just sort of instead of like looking at the world in a way where you're kind of processing everything and thinking about it and I guess putting a name to everything that you see or hear or whatever, you're just kind of existing there and not really judging anything around you and it's kind of a it's helpful just with the reactions to your day-to-day life if you've got that mental strength yeah mental strength or not even necessarily strength but just the ability to sort of stay present and understand that what you're doing isn't really that like a bad thing that happens to you sometime like just a minor inconvenience can be a lot more detrimental to you if you don't have that kind of mindset where oh you know this is just another thing that's happening i'm gonna roll with the punches and be yeah sometimes you you just have to go with the flow of things and i believe everything happens for a reason and yeah i think meditation people always look at meditation in a sense where like oh you need to have a yoga mat or you need to do a certain pose but in reality, yeah. you you don't. You can meditate while you're standing. You can yeah, meditate, you can meditate at work. Yeah, you can meditate while you're in class, like just sitting there and taking the time to take in your surroundings and just exist in them instead of trying to force everything that's going on around you. Yeah, just force thinking, you know. Yeah, which is something that I know everybody struggles struggles with. And oh yeah, yeah, especially in our world today, where yeah. there's a lot going on all the time it's sort of important i think it's really important to just take that time and be with yourself and with your environment around you instead of trying to think about and control everything that's going on in your life instead of just kind of letting it be and going with the flow a little bit yeah i feel like people i mean planning is good don't get me wrong but not everything in your life needs to be planned or thought out yeah. So much you just sometimes you have to just go with it. Yeah. And roll with what you have, you know, roll with the punches and such. So. Mm-hmm. Plus, there can always be that pleasant surprise that if you're not going into something with a very explicit plan, then you can. If something happens, it's not necessarily like if it goes against what you had planned. Then usually that's something that people react negatively to. But if you've got that sort of mentality where you just kind of let things happen, then your whole experience is going to be a lot better in my opinion. Yeah. If you don't have high expectations, you'll never get disappointed. Sure. So yeah. Limit your expectations with meditation. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I think that it was really great to also take that time and be with friends too. That was a really important thing that we don't often get, especially now where we're in quarantine and kind of stuck not being able to see anybody. Yeah. And Virtual is not the same as in person, you know. I've always been a type of guy that I'd rather call you than text you or, you know, actually be there in person to discuss matters. But being in person is a totally different vibe than being uh, over Zoom. Oh, yeah, or absolutely. FaceTime. I mean, just look at any kind of class scenario. Like, I saw some videos or I have a friend who's a teacher who's having, uh, who had a little bit of trouble getting their online school going. And, I mean, they're back at 
regular in-person classes now, but just that preparation was kind of a nightmare, especially when nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of students, not to get on the topic of school, but you know, um, it's just not the same and we have to deal with it. So, yeah. And I think if everybody meditated, it would be a lot calmer world. Yeah. So just meditate in your classes, please. Everybody. Yes. Go into (laughs) class, take a nap, meditate, do whatever you got to do. Yeah. As long as you pass, who cares? Right. Yeah. I mean, pass and learn something. We're obviously joking, but... But, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, so the next thing that we wanted to talk about was The Last Airbender. Oh, yes. Jalal started rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender recently, so if you want to talk about your experience with that show, because, I mean, you probably haven't watched it for a while, I would assume. Yeah, so the last time... Well, let me see. So, me and Brendan growing up, we've always been into the same kind of shows and whatnot, or... Pretty, pretty much, similar shows. Yeah, pretty similar. Um, and one of the shows that we always loved was uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. And Avatar: The Last Airbender, you know, it's pretty. It's a classic, um, very nostalgic kind of show. And pretty much, it's it's so it's originally a kids show, but it has a lot of adult themes in it. And if you look at it closely and examine it closely, you'll find that a lot of it will pertain to our daily lives as people and my experiences at least and i could attest for brennan too yeah so yeah avatar is I, I i've been making it a habit where i've been re-watching shows that i've seen in the past when i was a kid because as you grow older your thoughts you know change and your perceptions change too so i wanted to look at it that way and so other than harry potter i'm also re-watching avatar the last airbender and brennan if you could briefly explain what what it is real quick and yeah i mean avatar it's one of my favorite shows of all time i've probably watched it like 50 times by now at least i got the blu-ray i was so excited when it was on netflix but for those of you who don't know what the show's about there is four nations who live together at one point in harmony according to uh the intro for the show but everything changed when the fire nation attacked and then they started this hundred year war where they the beginning of the war they wiped out all of the airbenders and their entire culture and that's why the show is called the last airbender um but yeah that follows katara Sokka, and ang on their journey at least in the first season uh to help ang master all four elements because he's a 12 year old kid so it's a really interesting show because you get to see younger people exploring the world and essentially being the only hope for world peace or any kind of end to the war that's going on. Yeah, so it follows pretty much a band of friends, you know, and their journey yeah. across. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I would say I would say it's one of those shows where you kind of have to watch. It's like... Yeah, I don't recommend a lot of shows, but the show I, shows I do recommend are definitely going to be worth your time. And it's on Netflix, right? So who doesn't have Netflix in 2020? Right, yeah. And I mean, when I, I watched it originally when it came out on Nickelodeon, and then I think I've watched it at least once probably every single year since then, and it came out in 2005. Yeah. So it and the it's not just a nostalgia that I've been 
you know, watching it over and over again. Like every time I go back and watch it, I learn something new either about like a little detail I didn't notice before or maybe a theme that I didn't pick up on before. But when it came onto Netflix recently, there are people who are in their 30s I saw who watched it for the first time and they loved it. So it's not just this nostalgia-driven show like a lot of other cartoons or maybe TV shows you saw when you were a kid. It's got very adult themes to it. Like, I mean, the first introduction of it's a genocide. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're watching this kid whose entire culture was completely wiped out off the face of the earth and he's basically time travels to a hundred years later where everything is so completely different and just watching him grow and adjust to that because he's 12 and he's got the entire weight of the world on his shoulders and that's such a huge responsibility for a child yeah and you know i feel like every child has a right to be a child right they should enjoy life as is and that's why that's why we we mark 18 as an adult phase yeah and i mean in the avatar world they don't tell the avatar that they're the avatar until they're 16 years old but yeah the this is going to get into like minor spoilers but the air nomads told ang that he was the avatar because they could tell that something bad was going to happen there might be a war going on so they sort of had to force him into that role before the war was going to start yeah it's a yeah it's a crazy show it's fantastic and it's got probably the best villain in television history in my opinion in prince zuko yes prince zuko is an interesting character and also one thing to add is compared to most cartoon shows this show is actually episodic right so what i mean by that is every episode is a continuation of the next yeah so the story follows throughout the whole series Mm -hmm. so it's not just every episode one story is different or it's just for laugh it's not we're not talking about Family Guy or, you know, yeah, shows on adult, adult Swim or like Tom and Jerry. Right. There's an actual story behind it, and the story's pretty expansive, and the lore behind it's great, oh, too. Oh, I, I could go on for hours about the lore in The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, and there's the Kyoshi books that came out recently that are just, oh, they're so good. I love yeah. it. I love it so much. And I think my favorite part about Avatar is that the personalities of each avatar because it's a reincarnation that it every avatar is sort of the opposite life of the previous avatar and they still have to deal with all of the issues and problems that were caused by generations previous of avatars like at, uh we're gonna get into a minor spoiler but ang when they get uh yeah when they ang gets to bossing say they have to deal with something called the dai li which was a an organization that avatar kyoshi who was 200 plus years before avatar the last airbender took place she created the dai li and then it became a corrupt institution that became a huge problem for her next life one of her next lives to deal with yeah so So that just that's that just shows us that you know decisions have consequences you know whatever we do mm-hmm. uh generations will will suffer or you know will have an impact or yeah. get affected by it right so absolutely i think that's one of the biggest things that they talk about or kind of express is that decisions that we make now will have 
consequences that go on hundreds if not thousands of years beyond us and i mean we can kind of see that with some of the decisions we're making right now but it's just it's really interesting the way that they set up the show and the way that they pay so much attention to detail with how the characters are yeah the characters aren't just bland people they're people with motives and actual lives and backstories that you want to associate yourself with and i like the fact that some of the characters are so relatable that it feels like you're on screen sometimes oh yeah i mean just even the character development in that show is so incredible like in the first scene you see Sokka and he's like this determined kid who's been put in charge of his tribe in the south pole and he's kind of a sexist prick but as he grows throughout the series he's just he turns into one of the fan favorite characters and you get to see that growth of not only him but you get to see Katara grow you get to see Aang sort of go from this compassionate kid and really grow into the responsibility that he has and I mean oh Prince Zuko Prince Zuko he is I don't want to spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it but just the way that his character develops throughout the entire series is a testament to how well thought out the writers created that show michael dante DiMartino, and brian konietzko the creators and then aaron e has who was the head storyboard writer they just they knew exactly what they wanted from the beginning of the series and they executed it to practical perfection yeah and you could tell it was they were so passionate about it that they were thinking super long term about the story yeah they had the entire story planned out before they even pitched it to nickelodeon which is insane. It's not typical as a writer to do that. Yeah. Usually you go one or two seasons in advance or on a whim. Right. Or, I it's, mean, with the recent Star Wars movies, yeah. the way they did it. Recently, there was news that came out that they had no idea what the plan for Rey was. They didn't know what they were going to do with Palpatine. Like, they didn't even know he was going to be in it. They didn't. They had zero plan, and it absolutely showed for the way that the story kind of progressed and was just a dumpster fire yeah that was that it's mind-boggling to me that a massive corporation you know you would think they were pretty smart in a sense i think that's the biggest issue that you can have when it comes to having a massive corporation take over an entity like star wars because that was george lucas had pretty much the entire universe in his head yeah before he even made the first movie yeah so when it went to someone like Disney and Kathleen Kennedy. They had they didn't have that perspective of like why the things happened, what was important about them, and they didn't really have anywhere to go. Were they even Star Wars fans? Like I know that uh, I don't know about Kathleen Kennedy at all, but the way that J.J. Um, Abrams was when he was the director, Ryan Johnson wasn't. And then J.J. Abrams did the last movie, so they kind of had to deal with some of the problems that were created in The Last Jedi, but it was unfortunate the way that they went about it without having any kind of direction for where they wanted the story to go. They just sort of did it to do it because they could make billions of dollars off of it. Yeah, and that's where greed is, you know, your downfall in some sense. Yeah, when you put... When your motivation for something, especially in art, like 
a movie or a series of movies or a book or a TV show or anything like that, when your motivation isn't the art itself, but rather the money that you can get from it, people can tell that that's what your motivation is. And I think that's really unfortunate that it happened to Star Wars. Yeah, a massive, it's a massive classic in a, yeah, it's probably, a series of one of the most well-known. Probably the biggest franchise on the entire planet. Biggest? Really? I would assume so. I think that Star Wars probably has the most name recognition. Everybody knows what Star Wars is, even if you haven't seen it. Yeah, people in other countries know. <laughs> they um, know what yeah, everyone knows what Star Wars is. But yeah. Yeah, it was such a massive entity that they had, and they just did not do it any kind of justice yeah so do you think so going off that do you think they're gonna have a next movie they did say that they wanted to do a trilogy after this one that wasn't like a skywalker saga but i really hope that they don't now just because i don't trust them with it unless they have dave filoni be the head storyboard writer for it do you think they have a chance to come back from this if they have, have the right people? Or do you think they, they are going to get the right people? I think the only chance that they would have if, if is if Dave Filoni is the creative director. Because he's basically, he sat down with George Lucas 10 years ago to create, or to help with uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars television show, which is fantastic, by the way. I highly recommend that one for any Star Wars fans, because it does a lot of what you wanted in the prequels to develop the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan and Anakin and Padme and sort of have that character development. And then they added some fantastic new characters that aren't in the movies. But, yeah, and just so you guys know, Star Wars Clone Wars is an animated version. Yeah. Uh, like, it was on uh, Cartoon Network, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it came out in Cartoon Network in 2008, ran for five seasons. They did like a pseudo sixth season, but they didn't really finish it. And then um, the seventh season and final season of it came out on Disney Plus, and the last four episodes of season seven are probably, in my opinion, some of the best Star Wars, including all the films that's ever existed. Really? It's so good. Were they 23 minutes airtime each? Or? Uh, I believe they were 30. I, the first episode of that those last four I think was 23 and then they extended the time a little bit for the other episodes okay. but what was really cool about it is that they had it go in tandem with Revenge of the Sith so you get to see a different perspective on the movie that from characters that you grew to love in the TV show okay and was, just to clarify because I forgot a little bit Revenge of the Sith was one that Order 66? Yes. That was the third prequel movie, Order 66, and then okay. Anakin becoming Darth Vader. Okay. And you get to see Darth Vader in the Clone Wars animated style, which is really oh, so cool. So cool. He actually looks really good? Yeah, he looks fantastic. Oh. Yeah. So, well, who else do you get to see? Uh, characters like that were in the like, movies? Yeah. Uh, you get to see Obi-Wan right before... Uh, the Battle of Coruscant well, he, in the beginning he, of the movie. He was in the entire TV show. Yeah, yeah I was going to see he was in the entire I mean, there aren't really many... There are some new characters. I know Saw Gerrera is in one of the seasons for anyone that liked Rogue One. Um, okay. There are... Captain Rex is actually in Return of the Jedi. No way. In one of the scenes, yeah. Uh, he's, is he, like, very brief? Yeah, he's very brief. He's in the Battle of Endor when they're... Uh, 
taking out the Death Star um, shield that's being beamed up from the planet. That mission. Oh, was it he, like the? He's the uh, guy with the gray beard in that scene. Really? Yeah. They they confirmed that's canon. Yeah, it's Captain Rex, which is really oh, cool. Oh wow! And then they show him in Star Wars Rebels a little bit. Um, so it's yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, I totally forgot about Rebels. Wow. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I think the big takeaway from this is that if you're doing something just because you want to earn money from it and not because you love what you're doing or have a respect for the franchise that you're doing it for i guess in the terms of star wars is that people know and can tell when it's not that genuine sort of i'm doing this because i want to pay respect to this art that's been made but rather i'm doing this because i can make six billion dollars off of it over three movies yeah and 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 the numbers show right like their the revenue is a lot lower than because you would think later on down the line it would, it would make a lot more money, right? Or the ratings would be better. Yeah, the but ratings for all of the movies were just terrible. You would think, just like technology, things would become better. But, you know, it that's not the case here. Yeah, it's that double-edged sword where like you can do so much in terms of video effects. But if you don't have the core soul of the story, then it's kind of worthless. Yeah, so that's why you see some of these old movies that you know were pretty old and... They didn't have the greatest effects, but they were still great movies. Yeah, like Jurassic Park, for example. I mean, if the effects still hold up pretty well, but yeah. if you look at it, like, the story for it has lasted so long, even though they went back into Jurassic World and they did it because they could make money, and those movies were terrible. Yeah. So, it's just... I remember seeing Jurassic World, and... I didn't even see them. Really? Yeah, I heard they were bad, so I just... Didn't bother. I mean, they're just like, they're a typical action flick. Yeah, I figured that's sort of what it would be. Blockbuster, you know. Blockbuster. Chris Pratt, Jessica Chastain, I think, is the other actress in it, and yeah. just big names, big entity that you have, but they didn't do it right, apparently. Yeah, I mean, just because you put uh have a, have a high budget or put a big A list celebrity on your film will not make you good. Yeah, I mean, I remember when. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out too. When did that come out? That came out in like 2007, maybe 2008. Was uh, it the original w- Indiana Jones? Late 2000s. Yeah, it was Harrison Ford, except 20 years after the movie took place. No way. It was like old Harrison Ford. Was it a remake? No, it was a completely new story. Shia LaBeouf was in it. Really? Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, Shia LaBeouf was Indiana Jones' kid in the movie. No way. Shia LaBeouf is actually making a comeback. Dude, he's recently. a great actor. He really is. Have, have you seen Honey Boy? I haven't, but I've been meaning to watch that and Peanut Butter Falcon, too. I want to watch those, too. Dude, yeah. Shia LaBeouf is... He's so talented. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's in the same case with Robert Pattinson was in Twilight with Transformers. Yeah, similarly. I mean, Robert Pattinson, I think Twilight was his first big movie that he did, but did Shia he... LaBeouf was a child star, too. Like He had Even Stevens on Disney Channel. He was in Holes. He was in a couple yeah. other other movies that I did not watch, but yeah, dude, that reminds me. We need to watch some of the movies, like <laughs> which ones, like the new ones or no, the new ones with the Honey Honey Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. We, we gotta watch because these great actors that are so underrated are one of the best. And Robert Pattinson is actually becoming the new Batman. 
Yeah, that's which is that insane. trailer looked so good. Yeah, Twilight to new Batman. Like I mean, he that. did some stuff. In, he did a lot of indie stuff in between that. Which like, is, yeah, just like Shia LaBeouf too. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Well, he kind of went off the grid for a little bit after Transformers, I think. Yeah, he's he, people were saying he went psycho. Or yeah, he definitely was. I mean, I'm not gonna call him a psycho. He just well, he of, went. Def- he stopped being like the typical celebrity and anybody that sort of goes and doesn't do what's sort of expected of you isn't a good thing i guess yeah and then he had people the new, view it poorly yeah and then he had a new movie out uh with he was like a mexican oh no he was like a half mexican uh i'm not sure if you've seen it Mm-mm. but he was uh what it was like he was uh oh he was a tax collector it was called tax collector oh really i haven't heard of it well it was a trailer i'm not sure if it did well or not but uh and try to buff in it he was pretty much a tax collector but he would go to gangs oh but then he was like, Interesting. he's kind of like an agent. Like he he had uh, the self defense training and all this and that. So okay, that's pretty cool. That was interesting. I always wanted to see that. But yeah, Shia LaBeouf, he's very, he's underrated for sure. And some of these actors, they work for movies that are big, you know, series or you know, big names that are known to be trash. But that doesn't really mean that they're a bad actor. Right, just because of what they do outside of a movie like if they're behaving in what some would call in a rational way they still are a fantastic actor yeah i mean like robert pattinson i watched him in the lighthouse which you were gonna watch i i still i i, re- I still need to see it yeah it was uh him and willem dafoe and that movie was just so strange and kind of scarring a little bit. I'm just surprised Willem Dafoe is still making movies. I mean, he was in uh, Motherless Brooklyn when we went and saw that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember he's that. Been, he's, okay. He hasn't stopped. He's been making movies since, like, 1980. Because I still... I, see, I, I think of Willem Dafoe and I think of Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. I mean... The Green Goblin? Yep. Yeah. That's a... That's a throwback. I haven't watched any of those movies in years. Toby McGuire, man. I Toby mean, McGuire. But um, yeah, but yeah, movie talk. That was some of these movies that are highly underrated, and the best films don't get enough recognition. And sometimes movies that are way overhyped and just don't live up to your expectations. Yeah. So. Just typical Hollywood, you know. What are you gonna do? I don't watch them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But what you could do is read books instead which i think is a pretty cool thing no books are awesome yeah but some people just recently. want that you know instant view like you know because in books it takes a lot more effort to imagine all that's that. true but i mean i think that if we kind of go in and read it'll be i mean i've started reading again recently and it is not even close to the same as reading something for school like being forced to read like oh yeah uh, 1984 or uh of mice and men i think we or were fahrenheit 451 you know? i love fahrenheit 451 i don't know what you're talking about really yeah i thought it was great i just thought it was boring but that's just me it's probably because you were reading it for school i bet if you went back and read it now yeah. you would probably think it was a pretty interesting book yeah i actually love what was that book um those kids on island lord of the flies lord of the flies that was actually pretty good yeah i liked lord of the flies i remember reading that freshman year i actually was just i actually rewatched the movie recently i didn't see the movie at all i i, I saw, so there's two movies i rewatched the the one of the newer versions okay this year yeah and it was it was all right yeah the story's a good one 
Yeah. I've been reading a book called uh, Madame Fourcade's Secret War recently. Okay. My uh, grandmother gave me that about a month ago when she was here. And uh, it's about the woman, uh, Marie Medlen Fourcade, who was the leader of the largest espionage network in occupied France during World War II. And, I mean, the fact alone that it was a woman who was running the network was insane and people don't even talk about it it's a stepping stone you know like wow it's a huge important thing that i don't think enough people know who she is and what she did because her network alliance during world war ii was arguably the most important spy network in europe because that's where the d-day landings were they got a bunch of information about submarine uh deployments uh troop movements stuff like that and um i don't think without her they would have been able to win the war the allies absolutely not and like again our our education system does not talk about her you know no it's unfortunate because like she was such an influential she was so out of ahead of her time in terms of behavior like in the 40s especially in europe people were especially women were expected to act a certain way and during world war ii there was that sort of regression of back to super conservative ideals where women were supposed to be caretakers and housekeepers essentially but she was she had two kids and she ran the largest spy network in europe essentially yeah so brennan uh why is it called secret war why uh many people don't realize the fact that you told me earlier but yeah um it's secret war because well for one it's not something it's not like you're actively fighting and sabotaging stuff like that you're basically getting information and trying to avoid both the french government at the time and the nazis in france and something that a lot of people don't know is that once the germans invaded france during world war ii they basically won right away in 1940, but there was an armistice where the French government was allowed to operate out of a city called Vichy in France, but essentially they were Hitler's puppets. So the French government in France during World War II for the first two years of it were supportive of the Nazis, which is something that a lot of people were not taught. Like I didn't know until I read this book. Yeah, so pretty much France, they switched sides in the, during the middle of the war. and Yeah, it was once the Americans entered the war in 1941 and then started the invasion of North Africa in 19, late 1942. Like I think November 8th is when they launched their mission. Um, it wasn't until then that France sort of started fighting back against the Germans because the Germans once the allies invaded north africa broke the terms of the armistice and then occupied the entirety of france yeah so i mean pretty much france they gained confidence and you know Mm -hmm. we were like a stepping stone they could you know use to fight back yeah and um there were people in who weren't super high up in the french government but uh military officers like charles de gaulle and um uh, i forgot his name but his code name in the book was navarre he 
they were super adamant that the Germans were going to invade France and they knew where they were going to invade. They were going to go through the Ardennes forest in Belgium and the French government who was so unprepared and traumatized after world war one, didn't want to make any, uh, significant preparations for a German invasion because the Germans throughout the late 1930s were making political and occupational moves across Czechoslovakia, Austria, and then um, the Rhineland. I believe that actually might be what they took from Czechoslovakia. But once they invaded Poland, there was really nothing that the French were going to be able to do to stop them just because they were so underprepared for Hitler and his Nazi war machine. Yeah. So facts like these is like some of these books that are not well known, you learn so much from them and you actually learn what really happened behind the scenes. Yeah. And it opens your mind up. Right. So I I just learned a great fact today and that was awesome. Yeah. It's, it's something that you don't always get from, just your day-to-day entertainment that I think reading books, especially about history are really important. Yeah. All right. We're going to get into some ask Reddit questions now. And, uh, I saw one right away from Ian Keen 32 that said, what was the biggest political scandal in your country? And, uh, I mean, we have two, well, the United States kind of has a history of political scandals. You could go back to like the corrupt bargain in 1832 when John Quincy Adams was elected president, or no, 1828 when John Quincy Adams was elected president instead of Andrew Jackson. Then you can go to Watergate with Richard Nixon where he was spying on his uh, on the Democrats in the 70s. And then you could also look at the last four years. <laughs> Yeah, which so, have just been one giant political scandal. Oh, and Bill Clinton in the '90s with Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, and just so you guys know, Brendan's one of those guys where like he he just knows random facts about stuff. Like once he learns about it, he will. Yeah, it's hard remember. for me to forget some stuff sometimes, but yeah, which is yeah. a great skill to have. What do you miss about the '90s? Nothing. I was a child. What about you, Jalal? What do you miss about the '90s? Dude, I was one year old. Yeah, so nothing. Who so cares? Nothing. Yep. <laughs> All right, so how so Tijazatsky asked, how do you stop daydreaming? I have no idea. I don't daydream very often. You know what's funny is I feel like it was a lot easier for us to daydream when we were younger. Yeah, because we still had an imagination. Yeah, <laughs> and we were thinking about stuff, right? Yeah. Because I, I legit remember in class where I, I was literally daydreaming. Really? About, about, yeah, you guys are daydreaming about a lot of stuff, man. And about the weirdest shit. Yeah, I don't know. I never really daydreamed that often. I kind of wish that I had a little bit just because, I mean, if I wasn't going to show up to school throughout high school, I may as well have had a decent time daydreaming. Yeah. But I think that, oh, I've got a great question here from Spell Bad Grammar Good. Uh, What is something you will teach your kids that your parents didn't teach you? Wow, that's... I mean, I have a long list. Uh, yeah, honestly, where do I start? Yeah. Uh, uh, I will teach them compassion. Yeah. Because uh, you could legit say everybody, your parents have taught you compassion when I feel like they really didn't because 
their values and their views on people will reflect on you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, and me and Brendan, we got super lucky. We, we mentioned this in all the, the last episode where we grew up together mm-hmm. and we had, we, we were, um, we were exposed to many different cultures and, and people. Yeah. That was something that I'm planning on teaching my kids. Cause when I, before my parents got divorced and we moved, we lived in a neighborhood where we i was so ignorant to every other culture around the world and i'm very fortunate that we grew up in a place where there were so many different cultures but i think teaching other uh, teaching my kids about other people's views why they have them where those views came from and then teaching them to respect those views like they were your own essentially and respect other people like they're yourself is going to be such a big part of what I teach my kids because that's where a lot of problems in the world today come from is not understanding and being accepting of differences. Yeah, and if you could teach them that, then all the other skills will have a domino effect and they'll learn that, right? right? So, I mean, in our day and age, people are so fast to judge people and whatnot and yeah just they want to be right all the time and have their own opinion which you know you have to you have to step it down this is a question by fully fisted they ask what's one realization that changed your life so i know i know for me uh i mean i have some but the main one is the fact that i mean i've always knew we were all gonna die one day but i've really i haven't pondered on it for a long time yeah and I realized that, dude, life is so short. Like, time is flying by. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, our, our trip to Lexington was last week. Like that. No, it wasn't. It was well, four it was days ago. Four days yeah. ago, but you know what I mean. It yeah, was... it seems like it was yesterday. But... Yeah, which... Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think for me, it would be that other people's views are just as valid as mine. I yeah. think that took me a lot longer than I would have liked, but it wasn't until probably the end of high school where I really got a grasp on other people's situations and circumstances and that essentially I would be them if I had grown up in a different circumstance. Yeah, for sure. That's probably the biggest thing that I realized. that Because if you accept other people's opinions, whether they're right or wrong, is you... It doesn't matter. You still need to accept them for what they, what it is. and Yeah, you don't have to hold in. those opinions yourself, but accepting that there are going to be differences in opinions is a really big thing that people need to do. Yeah. So I have another good one. Okay. Um, so this is from, from Geheim Ratzek. And he asked, how did you become an initiator? And in this sense, he's talking about social interactions and just making friends in general and for especially for college kids right now or, you know, how to make those lifelong friends and whatnot. And so how did you become an initiator, Brendan? How did I become an initiator? Yeah. I'm still working on it. I don't really know yet. Okay. I've kind of had, I'm trying to be able to talk to random people that I may or may not have had some kind of interaction with before and sort of get to know him a little bit better. But I think that that's something that I really want to work on once we get back to semi-normalcy is being able to 
go up to somebody like whether it be in a class or a, a social event or something and just sort of strike up a conversation and like see, hey what's up and see where it goes from there um, yeah yeah so i know for me is i i just i came to a realization that no one is going to initiate unless you do yeah and and i kind of have to be the one to initiate because you just have to assume that no one else is going to initiate right um because everyone's afraid to take that first step but even once you take that first step everything else just becomes so much easier yeah and it flows into place like people are not going to ask you to hang out like you need to ask them to hang out mm-hmm. or you need to plan this because they're not going to tell you and the only reason they would ask you to hang out or invite you over to this is if you ask them to hang out yeah you can't just expect them to do this or just like at work you can't expect your boss to ask for your raise if you're not doing anything right or whatnot so yeah all right i think this is a good one that we can transition off of from should v left s l v cinefer on <laughs> what's something you love but are too lazy to enjoy something i love but i'm too lazy yeah to enjoy hmm I've got mine, and I kind of want to transition off of that to something I did earlier today. Okay. Too lazy to enjoy. I mean, I don't really consider myself a lazy person because the things I do, like, I mean, you could say tennis, but yeah, I, I think love that. I feel with, like that question is worded kind of. Yeah, I mean, the way that I was going to answer it was that for me, baseball was something that I love to do. But I did not actively train enough to be able to play it for long term, even though I probably could have if I hadn't had mental health issues throughout high school or the lack of motivation to participate in it. But when I was I was coaching earlier today with the people who I were my coaches throughout the end of high school and it's such a cool experience to be able to see the same sort of kids doing something that I loved and be able to teach them what I know for my playing time and sort of not even just playing but the attitude towards the game and how important it is yeah because I feel like a lot I know we were talking about this like a few weeks ago but that when you compete at a level is yeah you need to have that physical state of being but you also need to have that mental aspect too yeah the mental side of especially sports is something that people often overlook and that's the difference between somebody like lebron james or michael jordan and uh i don't know matthew della vedova (laughs) or some other not as successful basketball player just because of their mental side and that's not to call out Matthew Della Vidova. I don't know what his mental training is, but he's not LeBron James by any means. Yeah, because you could be so naturally gifted that you could be the strongest person on the court or the fastest, but if you think you're losing, you're not going to perform. Yeah, and I mean, with baseball especially, for pitching or any kind of fielding or at-bat mistake that you may make, it's so important not to let that affect how you play the rest of the game and that mental side of it is so important and i think that if we taught kids to be able to control their emotions from a young age and not let it 
sort of overtake them when they're playing sports that can help not only their performance in whatever sport they're playing but in school in life in their friendships in their relationships anything like that that sort of mental edge that you can get from not only like meditation but just being aware of what you're feeling and what caused that feeling yeah like so i i think people need to realize the fact that it is okay to fail and but you can fail in a good way right a failure i mean this famous quote out there i always use is a failure is not a failure if you learn from it right a mistake isn't a failure if you learn from it. yeah we talked about that last week too where the most successful people have failed countless times yeah, and there's so many examples out there and real life, you know, data. Yeah. That could back us up there, but uh, we don't need to get into that. But, um, yeah, the mental game is just as important because I know for me, when I play a tennis match, so in tennis, there's very little room for error uh, because there's only four points potentially in a whole match, right? So you have all that pressure. And coming from experience, I know when I would play a match, is if I would lose a point, or even a match or two, or a set, is I would feel so down. Yeah. And that, even though I have so many more games to play, I'm, I haven't lost yet, but it just, the mindset yeah, changes and, you. And then it goes and it carries over into the next game or match, or, or next game or set in the match, and it can be such an issue. Like, once you get that, once you let your mind slip in a sport, that's when most of the bad stuff happens. Like, having confidence in your ability to... Like you've been, tra- if you've been training for it, then understanding that that training is still there and the most of when you mess up, it's a mental part of it. Like yeah. I know for me with baseball, anytime that when I was pitching, if I would let like a double or a home run or something get into my head, then it would be a huge problem for me at the next at bat because I wouldn't be able to focus and get the job done that i needed to yeah i uh that's perfect man. i don't know what else to say with that but that that's mm-hmm. perfect because if you look at the body and like you know, look at the biology behind your body and psychology is your body reacts to your brain yeah and why do cramps happen it's because you're feeling stressed or anxious right a part of your body will cramp up and you know do this and that so there is a mind over matter aspect to it yeah absolutely and i think that we're finally starting to learn that although we're still at the beginning of it but just understanding that relationship between your thoughts and your body and how they affect each other is so important to realize that there is that connection oh for sure yeah all right jalal what is one thing that you learned this week one thing i learned this week is I actually let's see here one thing that I learned um I need I need to meditate more that's for sure yeah I think that we both learned that for you after we kind of, after I'm not gonna say we it was all my fault yeah <laughs> uh, with the last recording just your reaction to it versus mine who's somebody who's been meditating for like two years it yeah. was like night and day yeah because usually I don't get mad but I, sometimes I just I have to express my you know my madness yeah say. absolutely and there's nothing wrong with that it's just yeah. understanding that it's not the end of the world yeah for sure but uh yeah that's a fantastic one I think for me with school especially 
is that once you don't procrastinate it can make the rest of your life so much easier like for me i procrastinated every single assignment i believe that i did in high school and middle school until like the day or the hour before it was due and then i finally started taking time to get stuff done before like the day it was due and i've noticed that my mental health is better like i've done more successfully on all of the assignments that i've had so far the quizzes that i've had have been so much easier just because i got that mental block out of the way of like oh my god i'm so stressed and i don't want to have to be behind and put it off until the last minute but it's been very helpful to yeah. not procrastinate yeah because you will just enjoy every moment you have after you get your task or whatever you need to get done done and yeah it's a great feeling because let's just say if you do procrastinate at the back of your mind you're always going to have that feeling of oh i had this to or i need to do this you know right and so. then once you get rid of that it's sort of gives you the opportunity to stay in the moment and enjoy what you're doing a little bit more without that nagging feeling in the back of your head like oh this still needs to get done oh no <laughs> oh shit yeah it's gonna be late and i'm and, gonna mess it up oh well you're not gonna enjoy you're not gonna perform the best you could so yeah so get stuff done ahead of time don't procrastinate enjoy meditate. life yeah <laughs> don't procrastinate meditate exactly <laughs> yep all right i think that was a good episode yeah that was awesome yeah all right well thank you guys for tuning in uh we appreciate you listening this far and yeah uh we're, we're trying to work on getting guests on the podcast and hopefully by the next episode we are going to have one yeah i think we've got we've got a few people lined up who want to be guests on the show but uh at this point it's just sort of getting the technology in place to be able to do that but i hopefully we're going to be able to have somebody on the next episode and i really can't wait because the person we plan on having on the next episode is somebody that i've known for quite a while and jalal knew in elementary school so hopefully we have some good conversations with him but yeah, until then, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. See ya. Take care. <laughs>